1: You know, remember James, and he said in his letter, he said, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The idea is, I'm going to do something because of what's already happened inside. I'm going to put my feet on my faith. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to show it. It's so important that we do that that we keep His commandments, that we obey Him. Because obedience is the external, visible proof of salvation. And why is that? Because talk is cheap.
0: Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says, Now by this we know that we know Him. Welcome to our Bible study for today. The evidence of someone knowing God and fellowshipping with Him is that He keeps His commandments. A simple, loving obedience is a natural result of fellowship with God. We have an open invitation to restoration through confession. Yet these things don't make the converted man careless about the commandments. God changes the heart at conversion and writes his law upon our hearts. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson.
1: Once and for all, he is the propitiation, which means he is the expiator. That's a nice fun word. Use that often at work tomorrow. Expiation. Have you been expiated, brother? (laughs) It means atonement. It means atonement. Jesus is our atonement. And he himself, verse two, he's a propitiation, but not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. You ever notice that? This does not mean, however, that everyone will be saved. There is a a movement that's called, or uh, it's a. It's something that people hold to. It's called universal salvation. And the, and the idea behind it is that eventually everyone will be saved. And, Inve- you know, all roads lead to God. No matter if you're a Buddhist, a, a Hinduist, if you're a Muslim, uh, whatever you're at, you, you know, ultimately you're going to go to heaven. But the salvation is available to every single human soul. But we know that not every human soul is going to receive Christ. So not everyone will be saved. Would to God that would be true. Wouldn't that be the most glorifying thing to God to have his son die on the cross and the whole world come to him and say, you know what, we agree with this. We receive you, Lord. But universal salvation is not true. And let me tell you something, all roads do lead to God. And you may say to yourself, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, ultimately, everyone will stand before the Lord. Everyone will stand In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, God says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall take an oath. Every tongue, regardless of whether you're a believer or unbeliever, you will bow before Jesus. For us, it will be very easy. We will bow before him. But there's coming a time in the future when even unbelievers in their condemnation will stand before Jesus and they will bow and they will speak and they will say that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God the Father. What does Paul say in Philippians? Paul speaking of Jesus he says therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to what to the glory of God the Father everyone will stand for us it'll be we do it now. We do it when we worship. And certainly one day when we stand before him at the Bema Seat Judgment, which is a a good judgment where we receive rewards for what we've done in the body, we will do that. We We will bow to him. We will confess with our mouth these things. But the Bible also said for the unbeliever, and you can read about it in Revelation chapter 20, Uh, In verses 11 through 15, it's called the White Throne Judgment. Unbelievers, before they are condemned to Gehenna, the, the final eternal resting place for the wicked, where the devil and the false prophet are, and everyone who has rejected Christ will spend an eternity in a lake of fire, and they will receive a new body that can withstand the torture of that flame. And before they are sent to their final doom, which will last for eternity, folks, They will bow before the great king. I don't know about you, but that just crushes me. Does it crush you? To think, I mean, can you imagine the horror of knowing that you've rejected this one all of your life? People have been telling me all my life about Jesus, but I'm doing my thing. I did it my way. (laughs) I'm going to do it my way. Well, your way is wrong. Your way is going to lead you to separation from god for an eternity in flame that will never be quenched folks this is serious this is one of the bites of the gospel this is one of the things that nobody likes to talk about but it must be spoken god's love is so great his love is so great he would not he it's not his will that any should perish right so look at verse three he says now we know now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. This word know is a Greek word called ginosko, and it, it, it's a it's an it's an intimacy it's it 's a a word that 's experiential knowledge it 's not just knowing the facts it's knowing by experience knowing intimately in fact, in Matthew chapter one verse twenty five the angel telling Joseph that the child that was in Mary was going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit and it says that and 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 and, and, and did not know her, Joseph, he didn't know her. And the same word is gnosko, it actually can mean also physical intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's how intimate the word is. It's experiential, it's intimate. And, and it says, and Joseph did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. They didn't have intimacy until after Jesus was born. That's the same word, and that's the same word by this we know that we know him. Same word, gnosko. If, notice, if we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. Underline this phrase in verse 3, keep his commandments. Because you're going you're gonna to need it. Because I'm going to show you another phrase when we get to verse 5. But if we obey Jesus, we prove by our actions, don't we, that we love him. John MacArthur said this, he said, Obedience is the external visible proof of salvation. I agree with that. You know, remember James, and he said in his letter, he said, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The idea is, I'm going to do something because of what's already happened inside. I'm going to put my feet on my faith. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to show it. It's so important that we do that, that we keep his commandments, that we obey him, because obedience is the external, visible proof of, of salvation, And why is that? Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You've heard it. Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 15, he says, hypocrites, he calls them. He says, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Far from me, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And and Paul would say later in Colossians, exhorting bondservants, he'd say, Obey all things, your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service. Get the idea? Eye service. Eye service is, is just performing when your master is looking. You're just obeying while he's looking, but as soon as he turns his back, you're doing your own thing. That's not real obedience at all. That's not really keeping His commandments. That's just going through the motions and not wanting to be caught by the Master when He comes. But true love is not shown by what we say alone, but it's by our actions. By our actions. That's how true love is shown. There's a phrase from an old song that I listened to. as a Christian band, Jeff Moore in the Distance. And I love this phrase. It really struck me. It says, Love that is seen means much more than love that's just heard. It's true, isn't it? Husbands and wives. Guys, if you love your wife, are you doing those things that please her? Or are you only doing those things that she asks you to do? And in my home, sometimes my wife has to, has to ask me to do things. But sometimes I, I'll, I'll do them without even being asked. And why? Because I love her. I know the things that she likes me to do. So I'm, I want to do those things. I want to do those things. Peter exhorts us in his epistle, and he says, Dwell with your wives with understanding according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life. Notice, men, that your prayers be not hindered. Live with them according to understanding. Love them. Do those things. And Jesus says, Keep my commandments. If you love me, prove it. People say all oh, they love me all day long, but they, their lives don't change. They don't do anything. Now, you don't have to do something to, to prove something to God, but as our life progresses in Christ, there ought to be evidence, right? There ought to be something. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and then to do of his good pleasure. That's what it's all about. And guys, as we are talking about the husband and wife relationship, we ought to do those things that please her. Otherwise, how can we say that we really love her? You know, love doesn't Wait to be told. Love does what it does without being asked, and often does it without even the concern of being noticed, and when it's unseen. To me, that's a real test of obedience when no one's looking. When the camera from Channel 8 is not there, are you still going to do what you would have done if the Channel 8 news? Are you still going to say the same thing if Channel 8 news wasn't there in front of you? These are questions that's what eye service is, just lip service. I'm just speaking, but I don't really. My heart is not engaged. Go with me to John chapter 14. I had you keep your finger there. look at verse 15. We're going to look at this. He says, "Jesus speaking, if you love me, the word there is agapeo. It is a a a, a term of love that is deeper than any than any other love, really. Agapeo, it means to love dearly. To love dearly. Jesus says, If you love me, if you agapeo me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. There's that advocate that we were talking about. Another helper, that what? He may abide with you forever. He may abide with you. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and He will be in you. Notice the relationship of the Spirit of God. He comes alongside of you. He woos you. Have you experienced that in your life? Where He he draws alongside of you and then at some point you, you give it up. You give your heart to Christ and then He indwells you and then in book of Acts, we talk, and Jesus says, And he shall come upon you, he'll come upon you, in power, to empower you to live the life. But notice, let's go on. He says, I will not leave you orphans, verse 18. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. At that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Notice the unity there. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Notice, he who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then down in verse 23 there, Jesus answered and he said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will abide with him, we'll make our dwelling with him. But he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father who sent me. William MacDonald said this in his great devotional called One Day at a Time on March 16th. He said, here is a great principle for us. In the study of the Bible, as we, as we follow the light which we receive, God gives us more light. The man who makes the best progress in the Christian life is the one who is determined to do what the Bible says, even if he doesn't see anyone else around him doing it. In other words, it isn't a matter of one's intelligence quotient. What really counts is his obedience quotient. The scriptures open up their treasures most readily to the obedient heart. Hosea said it well, Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. The more we practice what we have been taught, the more the Lord will reveal to us. Information plus application leads to multiplication, but information without application leads to what? Stagnation. It leads to stagnation. So it's important that we do, that we're obedient to the Word of God. I'd like to show you something. Uh, If you could uh, show the screen there, Mike. There is, uh, you recall when Jesus... After his resurrection, he met with uh, Peter and, and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, beginning in verse 15 here, when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "...Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these?" And he said, "...Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." And he said to him, "...Feed my lambs." And he said to him again, "...Jesus, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, "...Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." And he said it to him, uh, he said to him "...Tend my sheep." And he said to him the third time, "...Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me?" And Peter was grieved this time because he had said, "...Do you love me?" And he said to him, "...Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you." Peter said he loved him, but I want to show you something that's really interesting. You'll notice, I don't know if you can see, the over on the left column there, there's some words, and there's the the word love. I've, I've either highlighted blue or yellow. Can you see that? The words that are blue are the word agapeo the word that we're looking at right now it's it's a more uh, intimate love it's 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 a real it's it's a, it's not like a phileo kind of love like a brotherly love like philadelphia No, this is agapeo this is a more intense love and what jesus was saying "Simon do you agapeo me?" and peter said "Lord you know that i phileo you i just i i like you you're you're a good friend i you know i like you" And Jesus said to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, verse 16, do you agapeo me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you in a friendly kind of way. And he said to him the third time, verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the reason why Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you love me, is because Jesus changed the word now. Instead of using agapeo, he said, Peter, do you even phileo me? Do you even love me like a friend? That's why this passage is so significant. Because in our English translation we see all these words for love, but when we look back at the original Greek language, and it's not hard to do, you can do this with a concordance, that's why I brought it up on the left hand side here. You know, when Jesus said, Do you love me? you know, you look in verse sixteen, he says, Do you love me? What's this word love? Well, it's Agapeo. It's a love. It's a it's a it's a desire a, a deeper desire of love. And so Jesus was drawing Peter out. Do you agapeo me, Peter? I, I you're, you're, just, you're like you're a good friend, Lord. Peter, do you agapeo me, Lord? You know I'm just like you know I'd like you as a friend. And then finally Jesus says, uh, Peter, do you do you like me as a friend? Do you see why he was grieved? Do you see why Peter was grieved? The truth of it is under the Greek. And that just speared Peter in the heart. Do you even, do you even love me, as a, like me as a friend? And I love where Jesus takes uh, Peter. He says, Lord, you, all, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Even still, he was still very discouraged, Peter. And this is where Jesus restores Peter. Peter's very discouraged. He doesn't know what to do with his life. Lord, you, you died on the cross, you, you, you were, you're invisible, I don't see you sometimes, and then now you show up here, and then you're talking about ascending, I don't know what, what, what am I going to do with my life? Lord, I, I, I'm discouraged. And you know what I love about the Lord is he didn't, he didn't beat him up over that. Notice what he said, Jesus said to him after Peter said, Lord, I like you as a friend, in a friendly kind of way. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Did he shelf him? Did he say, you know what, you can't abide in me. You're not abiding in me, Peter, forget it, you're done. No, he took him where he was at and he brought him higher. And see, that's what the Lord does. He takes you where you're at and brings you higher. He doesn't bring you lower. Everybody else will bring you lower and try to bring you down to their level. But God is the only one who says, I'm going to take you in your messed up state and I'm going to bring you, I'm going to lift you higher. I'm going to take you up. I'm going to take you up. And that's what the Lord did with G- what the Lord did with Peter. Peter was still being conformed to the image of Christ, and I love it in ver- in, in a, the verse eighteen, right after that. Jesus said to him, "Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish." And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. We know that historically Peter was crucified just like Jesus. But, but tradition tells us, it's not in the Bible, but tradition tells us that they hung him upside down because Peter didn't think he was worthy to even hang in the same direction as his Lord. He said, hang me upside down. And the Romans are going, wow, we haven't done that before. That sounds fun. They were glad to oblige, hanging Peter upside down. Peter ultimately got to the place, I believe, where he was agapeo. Peter, do you love me? Do you agapeo me? Lord, I don't right now, but one day I'm going to spread out my hands and I'll prove it. Love it. So that's the challenge for us Christians today. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who, whom he is like. He's like a man who built his foundation on a rock, his house on a rock. Are you building on the rock today? Or is what you're building, is it on, still on shifting sand? Things of the world that don't have any profit, that don't have any value. So in verse 4... in in our text this morning. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, underline this phrase too, keeps his word. Truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Notice, I had you underline keep his word and back in verse 3, I had you underline keeps his word or keeps his commandments, right? Had you underline that too. This word keeps literally means to watch or to guard. It implies a fortress or a full military line of apparatus. It means guard it with everything you've got. Guard it. Keep his word. Keep his commandments. Keep them. Do you love Jesus? Even though you're at weak at times, do you love his word? Are you striving to be obedient? And when you fail, do you confess? Do you know that he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you do confess? And when you do, do you know that you're forgiven and that your relationship with God is restored? You can walk guilt-free away from whatever it is. Guilt-free you can walk away. But verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he abides. The word abide just means to stay. It means to dwell. It means to remain. It means to be held, to be kept continually. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Your finger should already be in John chapter 14. Let's look at John chapter 15. This word abide, this morning's message was abiding in Christ. And we've gotten to our text. (laughs) I was hoping to land on five minutes before we're supposed to end. John 15. We're just going to look at the first 10 verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. I want you to underline something. Underline. Uh, but we have to talk about this because this this chapter, this passage of scripture, has been so maligned over the years, and so many Christians have been uh, really discouraged by what is here. Because Jesus says, "I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away." What do you mean? You're just going to throw me away? Well. This is, again, where you need a good concordance because the, the phrase takes away literally means to lift up. It's speaking of a vineyard. When a vine is laying down in the water and in the mud, what does a vine dresser do? He doesn't leave it there because it's going to rot. And that part of the vine that's underwater and got mud all over, it's going to get nasty. It's going to be infected with bugs and it's going to deteriorate. But no, what does he do? He grabs it, gets his own hands dirty, he lifts it up, sticks a rock or two underneath it and suspends it, and he lifts it up so what? That it can dry, that it can dry that it can receive the sun, S-O-N. <laughs> Not just the sun, it can receive the sun. He lifts it up, and every branch, uh, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And as a, if you're a, a gardener, you know that pruning does a couple things, and the word here means to
0: clean. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles.